everybody. This is another exciting week here at Megasheen. I am Victor. I'm Nick. And we have two very special guests with us this episode. Victor, who we got with us? Well, we have... Let's see. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because we have very powerful people, I believe. We have creators, innovators, people who are out there making a huge difference. Um, the first person we have, Mr. Ed Williams. Uh, hey. <laughs> there he is. Um, <laughs> and, most of y'all should, and most of y'all should know Ed out there. Ed is out here making everything happen when it comes to comics, giving y'all some insight about how to get yourself together, making sure that y'all know how to like take care of yourself and really learn from everything that you do to make things better. Ed, Ed, welcome. Thank you. you I don't. I wasn't sure if you was talking about me or some other Ed. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm flattered. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and who else do we have? Then we have Jermaine, and y'all know Jermaine. Jermaine has been. Jermaine, let me. You know what I love about Jermaine. I want to talk about this really quick. Is <laughs> that he makes sure that y'all do not forget about the Queen Nubia comes to Wonderland. He has always kept that torch burning and people will forget and then he will bring them right back to it. And Jermaine has been out here making differences, making with kids in his area, making sure that people understand what it means to be, um, you know, black boys embrace. I won't forget that. That was something that really got people really looking at us in a different way. Just everything to where he is out here making people smile, making things happen, really making sure that people see art and making sure that we don't forget some of the black, um, just some of the black people who have made comics really interesting to us. So today I want to say welcome on the show again. You've been on the show before, but welcome back. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. <laughs> so let's catch up to what everybody has been doing. Uh, Victor, what you been up to since the last time we recorded and whatnot? Um, I have been, I have decided to um, start talking to different comic companies. I'm really trying to get my foot in there because I'm realizing a lot of people are, are in that industry. And I'm like, how did you get in the industry? Because sometimes, yeah, I want to know how you got in and are you still there? So I've been trying to figure out. Um, a little bit ends odds that I've been talking with some people and it's been some interesting things um, and things that I already knew, but I didn't, but on my end did not take heed of them. So now I'm trying to do that. And um, professionally work wise, getting ready for school to start. So all these new students coming back and guess who have to welcome them in me. So <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be fun, especially when we're about to not have a director. So somebody may have to act as one. So, yeah, I'm getting excited for that. <laughs> when do y'all start classes? Um, they start classes on the, tw- well, the 27th. But since I am, I oversee student new student orientation, that is five days of them learning about the college. And I have my staff who has to welcome them in, take them to all their sessions, 
Um, I have to answer questions to people who don't know how to read the internet and all that great stuff. So, yeah. That's well, all right for that. Hey, somebody has to make this money, so. <laughs> I understand that. Scared yeah. money don't make money. Uh-uh. <laughs> LA town, you got to make this money. Right. And what have you been up to? Um, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> a lot. You know, uh, yeah, um, a lot. We actually, I just got off of a, uh, a team meeting. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, I run a comic company uh, called Make, uh, M-A-Y-K-E. And we are producing uh, our own superhero universe full of people of color, women of color, LGBTQIA plus and persons with disabilities um, as superheroes and projecting and amplifying their stories. So we just got off of probably the busiest six months um, we've ever been on. Uh, we went from a rebrand from Arclight Comics to make. We launched a new comic. We went into a Kickstarter, then went into BlurCon, and it was just time for a break after that. So we have had off the last four weeks. So today was the first day we've been back on in a month, um, and it felt good. So we're actually getting ready to hit the ground running again and kind of picking up some of the pieces uh, from the Kickstarter that was unsuccessful and kind of moving some of that stuff over to Patreon to get a couple pages you know, done a month and some other things we got in the works. So, yeah, it's just um, and outside of that, you know, uh, nine to five, keeping me busy. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. What a way to make a living. I'm yeah. tired. <laughs> God, you seem busy? Oof, Lord. <laughs> it, I have some long days. <laughs> right. And Jermaine, how about you? What you been up to? Wait, hold on. Ed, tell, what about where you work at? Wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> mm-hmm. I am the... Uh, Creative director um, at the National Civil Rights Museum. Award winning. Award winning. -winning Nationally acclaimed uh, (laughs) National Civil Rights Museum at the Lorraine Hotel. For those who don't know about the Lorraine Hotel, shame on you, but it is the assassination (laughs) site site of Dr. Martin Luther King. So right across the street from where MLK was assassinated. So you are really uh, exactly. First of all, and I ooh. <laughs> you, you, you say, okay, so somebody is doing a highly professional position, and we just now found out about this. <laughs> okay, right. Oh, and by the way, like. <laughs> Let me step on y'all hoes next. Oh, right. <laughs> one more time. Yes, one more year. One more year. Oh. I, uh, <laughs> they, 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 they keep me pretty busy. So. <laughs> and you still got this energy, though. Right. Yeah. Got to. Yes. Black queer power. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm tired. I ain't do shit. <laughs> Lord. I'm right for that. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> well, Jermaine, how about you? What you been up to since the? Um. Well, I have been trying to balance uh, having a full time job right now with um, 
nonprofit work and uh, doing freelance work and, you know, just trying to do all this kind of building and, um, and sustaining and surviving. Um, honestly, the job I work at right now, uh, it's okay. It's um, not my ideal situation, but it's something that uh, it's at least consistent. Um, but that's, like I said, that's not what my passion is. My passion has been my community work and my art. So I've been trying to focus a lot of energy there uh, with, you know, Hero Nation. And um, I have a couple mural projects going on in the, in the, and locally. Um, and, and yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of that going on, a lot of transitioning, a lot of, um, just like I said, building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Damn, y'all doing the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know for me, I haven't been doing much. Um, uh, looking at the possibility of doing maybe an MBA program or some kind of graduate program. Yeah. I'm not sure. Go for it. Why not? Why not? Uh, that little thing called GPA. Because mm. yeah, it took everything by the grace of God to get me out of college. Mm, okay. um, but we'll see. You know, I'll, we'll see about that. Uh, let's see. Doing physical therapy for my knee, which is, it is a pain in the ass when your mind says you can do it as far as running. But your body is like, okay, I don't know what you think this is, but I need a rest. Mm. I'm still trying to deal with that. Last night I did a 5K. Um, It wasn't wasn't too bad. You know, I I ran up to 30 minutes. That's what I wanted. I wanted to test the knee out. See how it was going. So, you still sound better than eight, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> five, barely that. <laughs> I, you know, I love running. It's so it's. I've talked about running, you know, on a past episode about how I need to do it. Mm, okay. But um, other than that, child, nothing. Playing too much video games and watching too much TV. <laughs> And all that good jazz. What kind of games are out there now? I, I, I'm so behind on gaming culture. Like, what are you playing exactly? Well, right now I am in the midst of, uh, what is that game? Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh. So, oh, yeah. I, I love, like, the ancient worlds, ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, you know, all of that. So it is right up my alley. And I think I have, like, 60 hours in it already. And there's so much stuff to do. It's almost a little bit overwhelming, but I still like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a friend of mine, I think she has like over 230 hours in it. Ooh. Wow. I said, oh, no, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, oh, that's, that's why I can't have any gaming consoles in my house. I, I can't. Because all my time would go to that. I, right to it. I had to give up video games for quite some time. Um, so I could actually just focus. Because I I mean, once you get in those, mm-hmm. you, get, you, know, you get lost in them. It's so addictive. I love them. Exactly. <laughs> those open world games, just, yeah. they will suck you all the way in. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting ready... I think I'm going to do a a Mortal Kombat tournament here in town at the end of the month, like a local 
for a tournament. So, you know, try to some ass. That's what I'm saying. I'm getting my white woman song and blade together. <laughs> my Republican heifer. Yeah, we're going to try to win some money. <laughs> but that's all about me. So, if anybody has anything else, we might as well get into Aunt May's tea. All right, let's do it. Victor, what we got on the tea table today? Well, since we started talking about video games, let's just get into what just what is going down with that right now. So, as you all know, we had a tragedy last weekend with um, some shootings that happened in El Paso and then also um, in, in Ohio. And yeah, Dayton. Yeah, in Dayton. And interesting enough, um, because, you know, when Republicans can't really just come on out and say that we need to get rid of these guns. They like to put away everything from the clouds to Obama to your mama and everybody else. <laughs> all on video games, the same argument they have used since I was eight years old. Um, hmm. But they have put it back on video games. And to find it more interesting, Walmart has made this move to really start, I guess, removing the games um, or restricting the games in their stores. So it's, it is really interesting to see how this is just kind of took an interesting twist um, when it comes to um, who's to blame and, and the action is taken. So we're not even gonna focus on, on Pikachu and everybody else and Bayonetta and everybody else who's causing the Yeah, so Walmart came out, they said they were gonna take down all the signs and ads and uh, demos with violent video games whatever and then reports came out that walmart was actually stopping the sale of video games and then they was like oh we misspoke that's not what it was then they actually don't even know what the fuck they're talking about <laughs> and there's actually there's no scientific data to suggest violent video games and mass shootings are linked mm -hmm. there's none and they've already tried this same weird as linkage when you know when Mortal Kombat came out way back in the early 90s so this is just that Republican bullshit that they always do and however Walmart is still selling guns mm -hmm. I just that's almost like saying like you over there playing Assassin's Creed and you are prone to put on a hoodie and start slicing people's neck. Right, and robbing them and sneaking in their house. Yeah, like that makes no sense whatsoever. That's crazy. If this was the case, then I should have been on like my 30th mass shooting. <laughs> <laughs> like all the violent, and I'm talking violent video games that I have played over the years. Mm -hmm. I would have, I should have been somebody, I should be committed mm. if this is the case. I mean, it's What's uh, also funny it's is the fact that in that boys manifesto, it talks more about, you know, what Trump was saying and the, and the fact they didn't want any Latinos in the area than it does video games at all. So I'm still trying to figure out when we have the manifesto, we have something that's telling you exactly what is driving this one person. That should have been what we would have focused on, how we got to video games. It's just, it's really ridiculous. It's a diversion. I mean, they want to um, not admit to the fact that there is a white male 
uh, terrorist problem. And it's always, it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. Since the beginning of the founding of this nation, it's been that way. Uh, but it's, it's nothing new. It's just um, new players, same game. Um, and like you said, Victor, the manifesto was there. They have information. They have the motive. They have all of that. But they don't care. You know, right. they don't care about that information. They just want to push forward and uh, supremacist agenda. And um, yeah, that's that's really it. <laughs> it's that mm-hmm. simple. It really is. It's just white people. Mm-hmm. Mm, I got some stories. Let me. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it's really unfortunate. It. Huh? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, Walmart. I hope you get it together, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's extremely unfortunate, you know, what, what unfolded, you know, these past couple of weeks. And like I was telling a friend, uh, oops, my got text. Uh, <laughs> like I was telling a friend, you know, we wouldn't we see all this violent, you know, imagery, all this violent news. It's only the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's so much stuff that we don't see that's not reported or gets reported every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so much violence uh, around the world, not even just in our nation. So, um, yeah, it's all unfortunate, though. Right, right. Right. Uh, I don't think we'll ever get to uh, this point, but, um, I, well, I think now, Unfortunately, we have normalized it um, because it's like, oh, another one, we're sad, but, you know, hey, let's keep moving. Uh, but on a, on, a, on a nationwide scale, I do believe if this isn't fixed and addressed, if the harder the issue isn't addressed, um, there are going to be more ramifications in terms of uh, economics and industry. Um, because if no space outside of your house is safe to go um and you know with with the internet being what it is and with us having direct access you know amazon is killing industries left and right mm-hmm. you know uh disney plus you know i mean all these different streaming services who's to say in five ten years we won't get uh direct to streaming service blockbuster films you know the 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 same way we kind of get them right now in the theaters um, to the house, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're creating a lifestyle to where we really don't need to go out of the house. You can get your groceries delivered to you. You can get your clothes and like toiletries, all types of stuff can, you know, deliver to the house or be streamed inside the house. You really, we got to a point where things are getting really comfortable. So if this continues to go on and there is this nationwide fear that I'm going to get shot as soon as I go to the gas station or the mall, there's going to be a continued, I think, decline in a lot of different industries in the economy. Um, And we'll probably start seeing a lot of different businesses, uh, you know, hit that um, unfortunate uh, recession or bankruptcy that we've been seeing, at least, especially with our generation, millennials. I mean, we've been killing industries left and right. Um, mm-hmm. With, uh, you know, everything going on, if it's not addressed and people have insurmountable fear of stepping outside of the house because this just cannot be contained, um, there are some other ramifications that I hope these white men in these corporations would at least pay attention to uh, because it will affect their bottom line. You know, Walmart, I'm really surprised at the stance that they took because I don't think 
they're doing that. I don't, I don't know if any retail store is doing that well with Amazon. I mean, I don't know about y'all. I order everything, toothpaste, deodorant, groceries, I did from Amazon. I get medication. I get you know, all medication. Yeah. They got prescriptions on Amazon? Girl, you can yeah. get a car from Amazon. <laughs> a car? What? Yeah, I mean, they got, uh, I mean, clothes. I mean, just down there, oh, wow. everything. Um, from Amazon. And then, like, my groceries, I use, like, Instacart to get my stuff delivered from Kroger. Oh, wow. um, same day, it's, it's, it's gotten to that point. So um, I would just hope that they would pay attention to that. You know, if, if you don't, if you start messing with the white man's money, he starts paying attention just a mm-hmm. little bit more. So maybe that may be a shift, but I don't know. We'll see. And with the, the onset of digital gaming anyway, how... Why would this be a good business move for Walmart anyway? That it it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me uh, so yeah, in like this kind say, of terms or yeah. business. I don't know, I but I'm not on the board, so I guess maybe hopes in hopes that they would get a lot of support. From who though? <laughs> I guess the right wingers, um, you know, since you know that they, they believe in anything Trump says, you know, Walmart putting a ban on video games—that's the cause of the issue. Let us go support. But I don't think it had that effect at all. Right. I mean, at this point, they're grasping at straws. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you mentioned, Nick, that the uh, esports industry, competitive gaming, it's, uh, it's growing exponentially. It's like it's growing really. Really rapidly, it's, it's gotten mm-hmm. to the point where it's a billion-dollar industry now, and you know, competitive gaming is going to continue to grow uh, and get more profitable. And so, I, I don't know if this is a, a, a snap judgment or a right business move. I don't, well, I don't think it's a right business move at all. But, um, but also, it's Walmart, so I really don't give yeah. a damn about them at all. I mean, just give me my Wheaties and I'm good. But whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. And it's interesting because as y'all were talking, you know, as we keep moving on, Walmart may be become irrelevant. You know what I mean? Like it's interesting to see how things have changed. Stores that used to exist, they will and they don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you got JC Penney's in places just falling out and Walmart, Sears, Sears. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be a point where Walmart is gonna be out there. And then, you know, they should be mindful in the sense of like, yeah, video games are not going away. That is good. It's just getting bigger and bigger. One, when you look at other countries like Japan, when you look at that, they have, if not the most advanced of all the games, they have many games and we don't have any mass shootings there. But if you also look at the fact that now, as Jermaine was talking about, you know, this is, this is a big, big industry where people are winning, winning like what millions of dollars playing Fortnite at a. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So out stadiums, yep, all that. Yeah. yeah. So it's right. like they need to either, you know, really realize that that might not be the industry to, to, to mess with because right. they don't have the power to be like, oh, you want to play these games against us? They could be these people who are starting leaking out information that, that's been hidden. And, you know, like you think about um, Trump's tax returns, companies like that, people who work in those companies can be, you know, vindictive and be like, oh, okay, well, since you want to be like this, Here's your tax returns. Here's the real truth. Here's Moore's real report. You know, you just never know what they may be triggering just because of the fact they're taking this stance right now. 
Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there was a documentary about how Walmart has came into some of these big, these uh, smaller towns, ran out all the other businesses, and then all of a sudden closed. Mm-hmm. So them, and that, that just happened here, I would say some months ago, there was a smaller Walmart that just closed. Oh. This doesn't seem like a good business move. Because you're like we said, there's already this shrinkage in Walmart stores nationwide. Mm-hmm. So them saying, oh, we're not going to sell uh, this specific good doesn't make sense when they're already failing. But I would also say that I, I, would, uh, I think video games are only maybe a small percentage of their sales. I don't have the facts to back it up, but I think it's really, really insignificant. So they might be able to get by without it. But the point it still is it's a very faulty move that has no logic whatsoever. And like I said earlier, they just grasping at straws to come up with arguments as to why, just to avoid talking about what the truth is, which is who's the real, the real culprit behind all of this. And it's been consistent for years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but, you know, that's just how, what the reality is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <sighs> well, moving on to something a little bit lighter. Um, <laughs> Amanda Seafield, uh, this was just a little blurb, that she, it was revealed that she should have or was approach to be in the MCU universe and it was suggested that oh I would have to paint my body green and everybody is assuming that she was up for the role of Gamora Mm. I don't think I could see that at all for her Um, granted I have issues with Zoe Zaldana anyway Mm. um, when she did that horrible and I was a big fan of hers too. I mean, I still, I, oh, I, I don't like her, but I, I'm not going to let that get past me, though. I, 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 I tolerate her. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I kind of fell for her when first stage happened. When I first saw that movie, I was like, "Who is she?" It's gorgeous. Right. But, yeah. Now I was thinking, like, maybe they already have plans for uh, She-Hulk, but I was like, mm, probably not. What has she played in? I've never heard her name before. Um, so she was Mean Girl. She was the one who was like... Oh, I see her now. Okay. The weather, her boobs. Something like she can tell the weather by her boobs or something like that. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't see her at all for She-Hawk whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to defend Zoe. I know people have some issues with her. And, you know, in some ways, maybe she thought... I, I'm, I'm that small percentage that Maybe she thought that that can build her rage if she played Nina Simone. But anyway, I can I can only see Zoe playing Gamora just because I think of Columbiana. And I'm like, that was a very action moment. Mm. Uh, Zoe in that. And I really, that's where I became a fan of Zoe. Um, but to see her as Gamora makes sense. Gamora is, a, is considered the most dangerous woman in the galaxy as one of her big phrases in the comics. So mm. I, I see it. I don't know what they were thinking of Amanda the Bee. But not the more. <laughs> she can be the more's assistant. <laughs> Executive assistant. I can right. <laughs> right. You better get her title right and her page. Oh. 
two weeks off of vacation and my PTO days, honey. Oh, my God. So the rest of this stuff that we have is just mess. Like, where you got, Victor, where you want to start? I won't say this is mess. This is, we're going to jump in the comic world really quick. Um, so if anybody has, have y'all been reading the House of X? No, because I can't find a print copies of anywhere. They are sold out consistently. Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, somebody I knew got me the first one um, because they were sold out out of five stores in my area. The first one. Wow. And I literally left work, went to the one that's near my work. So I was like, nobody goes here. This host said, ain't we sold out. I'm like, how are you going to sell out? You knew this was going to be big. So I left, went to three other places in my neighborhood sold out luckily at universal studios they have a comic book store there and my friend who works there was oh, like i told him get the load of her he go pick it up and he did luckily he did but they had copies in deep la i had to go to deep la to get the others but um wow. this series is something else jonathan hickman yeah. is in charge of it so i don't know ed or jermaine if y'all been checking it out or been hearing about it but they are really flipping the script. Like it was, and I've been a long time reader since I was um, in the late 80s. So I started in um, X-Men late 80s, kind of early 90s. I think one of my first ones when I started reading it regularly was when Storm was turned into a child by Nanny. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started getting into it and I had to get all the back issues. But this is really, and I've seen them flip and flop, but this has been like, okay, y'all really doing it. Have y'all been checking it out? It's phenomenal. It is. It is like. It almost feels like sixty years of X Men being rewritten, but without it being rewritten. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like everything is still being respected, but it's a relaunch. I I don't think I've ever seen a relaunch done like this. Yeah. It, it is. It is. It is very well done so far. The the fact that I've gone back and reread uh, House of X, Powers of X, and House of X issue two um, several times is yeah. a lot because I haven't found a Marvel title with that much rereadability factor in a long time. I actually haven't picked up a Marvel book in in, in years. Yeah. Um, so with this being like my first entry back into the Marvel universe and by, you know, through X-Men, which was my gateway drug into all this to start. It has been hands down. One of the best stories I have read this year so far. Yeah. 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 I haven't, I've heard, Oh, go ahead. Victor. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just agreeing. Oh yeah. I haven't um, had any comments in a very long time, but I've heard a lot about it. Uh, I see it everywhere, so I'm I'm, I'm going to listen to y'all's opinions and see, you know, how it is. Yeah, it's very well done. It is very well done, and um, to give you an idea, for example, um, I'll semi spoil the second one, but um, we're learning that um, Mara Mataggart, which I've seen in the cartoon, and if you read the comics, she mm -hmm. it plays a huge role in the X-Men universe. And it was very interesting because like you, Ed, I had to read it again. Like I've been slowly getting on because at first I was like, what is this? And then I was like, because the first issue I was like, okay. 
in my stubbornness to be like, am I ready for this? But the second one got me like, okay. And so it also made me go back and look at her history in the X-Men. And it made me look at um, her son, Proteus, because Proteus, I was sitting there, I started having these conspiracy theories, like Proteus power is was basically to warp reality and so i was thinking could that could that have been a manifestation of her since that was her child could that have been like you know whatever and then i think about issues she's had and what i recommend for people to do is if you can go back and read x-men the first five um issues um, from the 90s there is an interesting piece between her and magneto magneto was turned to a child and she was taking care of him, but she tried to um, alter his his, co- his genetic code um, to maybe remove his power to some degree. He learned about that and was not happy. But it made me wonder, was that something, you know, could that have been something that she had, re- basically, I'm just going to tell you what happened. Mora is basically, uh, her power is reincarnation. So she's been, this is one of her many lives. Um, and but when she comes back, she remembers everything from those particular things, uh, particular lives. So it made me wonder, like when she was doing certain things and, and involving Magneto, involving her son, was those pieces and things a part of that, or maybe the mix with the. See what I'm saying? I get too far into it, but I'm just saying that it has made me really go back and look at a lot of the moments with her. And I'm telling y'all, if y'all are comic collectors, you might want to go and find her first appearance because I'm sure that's going to skyrocket. Nice. <laughs> I still need to find a, a copies. The one I went to, they were like, oh, we won't have any copies until like Wednesday at 10 a.m. I'm like, bitch, I'm at work at 10 a.m. <laughs> Fuck. You can't buy uh, any digital copies? I would prefer not to have it digital. Yeah. Because I don't have, like, an iPad or, you know, I ain't got got no Kindles. You're not bougie like that. I'm not bougie like that, yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I would say order from Midtown Comics. Um, You can get, I mean, I think they're at their second printing right now, so you can get Hmm. copies. Or some people are going to really wait to the trade. (laughs) I was like, let's go ahead and get the copies now. Right, Um, right. Probably order it. Yeah, that's what I that's what I had planned on doing. I can give you one of my copies because I bought I bought when my friend got me one, I got two extra ones when I found out they had extra. So I got oh. one, so I can just give you one of mine. Don't look at her being all philanthropic. <laughs> <laughs> but well, let's they're, they're interesting tie-ins. Um, there, there's what other because there's there's Dawn of X two, right? That's another title that's tied into this. I think there's there's Powers of X is, is heavily tied into House of X. Yeah, Powers of X doesn't make sense until you read House of X number two. Yes, like it's a little weird. It's like okay, where are y'all going with this? But then like you see how it clicks into House of X two. So it's it's interesting. Like it makes you pay attention. And go back through and, and catch different things. And like Victor said, if you know, if you have you know past issues and you are like an avid reader, you will more than likely go back and see if there are any other connections in past stories and arts and things like that. Yeah, and and, and that's and I think that's the point. I think the point is to make you this story and what I will say with any comics is is to is to really make you embrace and appreciate the history of whatever line that you're reading. 
And I mm. think what Jonathan is doing is making us really appreciate like, okay, the X-Men and the characters that we may not thought twice about, because I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I really don't think about her as much as I think about the others. Like I do yeah. or Psylocke or Jean, but um, it has made me go back to appreciate her. Cause there's been little things that if you go back and look at it, it's like, does she know? Like, does she know this? Like she, like when they were dealing with the Phoenix, she was the first one to say, um, Charles, <laughs> you need to check this out because this is, her readings is not matching the gene that we knew. And so that's why I was like, okay, looking back at that, I'm like, wow, that's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've heard it was good, so I need to get get on in it. Yeah, I will say, people, if, if you haven't gotten into comics, that is one to get into. Um, on a quick note, and I mentioned this to Tremaine, uh, for those of you who do like Nubia, she has returned slightly to the comics. Uh, she is back in Wonder Woman. Um, right now, she is not on Diana's side, um, but she is there. So I don't know what they're going to do with her, um, but I do know she's also going to be featured in the young, the, the kind of the YA version of graphic novels for DC. So she's going to be in that as well. So we don't know what role that will be, um, but she's back. I'm, Jermaine, I don't know if you got a chance to check that that book out. As soon as you said it, uh, as when you told me about it the first time, like last week, I was on it. <laughs> I looked into it. And I uh, actually did as the most recent comic that I did read that I looked about it. Um, so I read that one. Um, it was it was okay. Um, I mean, I didn't. Her presence wasn't anything substantial, um, it, or wasn't treated as such. But uh, I did jump into the middle of the story, so I can understand that. Um, but um, I don't know. I don't. From what I read, it didn't seem like they were going to do much with her. That could change because they kind of emphasized her name and made it seem like she was someone special. So. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be taking injustice. Well, I, I haven't. I started reading the injustice comics a while ago, but I, I know she was in there too. Um, but I don't know what they're going to do with her. Hopefully, that you know that she sticks around and may create something out of her. Um, but ultimately, I feel like uh, it might not end up being that way because you know DC hates what women. But you know, it's fine. Cool. 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 <laughs> I agree. I agree. I hope they do do something with her. I mean. They should know that the fans would like to see that. But mm -hmm. like, he has a lot going on with their whole thing. So we'll see how that goes. I also don't trust him with black women, generally speaking. I mean, and Eric, he can talk about Vixen, too. Same thing with her. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. So. But I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the young adult novel. Those, those have been pretty cool, I know. Hmm. Well, let's get into some of these other topics because it's a lot. <laughs> um, let's start out with this model. Uh, so Carissa Pinkston, I ain't never heard of her. So she uh, posted uh, a f some weeks ago about some really transphobic uh, stuff on social media. Uh, one of them being that being transgender does not make you a woman. Uh, if she followed it up with it just makes you transgender. So after receiving the initial backlash to that, she followed it up with, I really do want to take my trans comment back 
because if they if they can say that they're women, then I can reclaim my virginity, which wow. I'm like, okay, girl. Wow. And, and the entire fuck. This model called uh her name was Carissa Pinkston. So soon after Oh yeah, I heard you hear about this. Okay. Soon after she uh said this, her agency dropped her. Wow. And she went on she went back on social media to claim that she was trans. So after she said that she was trans, her actual friends in real life came out and say, Bitch, you are not trans. You are you don't even claim to be trans. You are cisgender through and through. Then she got back on social media and say, Oh, I lied again. I'm not trans. Uh, I'm just 20 and I'm making mistakes and I'm just human and please forgive me. And she did all of this bullshit. I'm like, Mm. Girl, if you don't sit your ass down somewhere. That's a lot. A whole lot. Like, why go through all of this bullshit Mm. just to say, oh, I made everything up? And do you know what actual trans women and men go through every single, just everyday life? Mm-hmm. So you to just to make a mockery of what they experience, it's just trash on your part. Yeah. What's killing me is the whole "I'm just human." Right. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Right. So, trans people are human too, Absolutely. and now the same compassion that you seek, you should have led with with at the beginning. Mm-hmm. All right. Right. That's All right. crazy to me. Pastor Williams. That's right. <laughs> you better turn to your neighbor. <laughs> like, okay, you don't always have to understand. Like, it's taken me some, like, with, with pronouns. I just started apologizing to people um, and asking for their forgiveness if I, you know, mispronoun them because, you know, people are, are transitioning into the, the, the they, them, and, you know, non binary and things like that. I just had a friend do this. And uh, every time I would greet her, I would say, you know, hey, pretty lady, what's going on? And then she just transitioned into, you know, uh, she, they. And I said, well, help me understand what would be appropriate for me, you know, to, 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 to call you now. And she said, you can say pretty person. I said, okay, cool. Hey, pretty person, what's going on? It's that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't cost you anything but maybe a couple brain cells to make the switch. <laughs> and that's it. But it's not that hard, you know, it's like, like it just uh, you may not understand and that's okay, but don't be ignorant and don't make a, 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 a mockery and don't ridicule and, and, and don't make jokes out of somebody else's life. And uh, don't be so hard pressed to not want to make the effort to change. You'd be upset if somebody misgendered you or, or mispronounced your pronouns and things like that. So how do you think somebody else would take it? Right. Because you identify as cis heterosexual, I mean, it, it, there's really no difference. It's, I mean, plenty of straight men would, would take offense to being called cis or girl. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> why do you approach somebody who was trans and then misgender or mislabel them? doesn't make any sense to me. But. 
they would have a fit if you said, hey, bitch, what's up? You know, uh, <laughs> or even some of those, you know, you got some of those gangs that are really just so hyper masculine. Like, don't dare call me. I'm not one of them type of gangs, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, don't call me sis. Uh, yeah, but I, I do understand the fact that, you know, we're socially conditioned to uh, believe certain things and associate certain characteristics with certain pronouns. But there's that something that you have to learn to unlearn in certain contexts. Uh, because you, you know, as you navigate certain spaces, you realize, that, and you, you learn more about the human experience. You learn that that everyone has the same human experience, and everyone is the same. So, uh, I think what she should have did the first time, like you said, that she should have exercised the same level of compassion that yeah. she asked for after she put her foot in her mouth plenty of times. Um, I mean, yeah, hopefully she learns from this, but unfortunately, there are consequences to. Uh, even when you do mess up and you do apologize, you, you still have to face the consequences mm-hmm. uh, for your actions. So mm-hmm. um, she might be a better person for it. I don't know, but yeah, I don't. Know. Don't sound like it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, think, but I don't know. I, I would try to be optimistic. Or whatever. I don't know who she is or whatever. Well, she's you know she, she's young, but that's no excuse to you know to make you know the those decisions you, that you make. I remember when I was. Um, uh, like in my early, my teenage years, I was extremely problematic, and I had to end up deleting some posts. Like, well, I don't know why I said that. Wait a minute, the people on Facebook look at me like I'm crazy, but no. Um, like, I, I realized that growth happens, um, and it's all about how you learn from the experience. But no matter where you are in your life and your growing process, not everyone is going to accept your apology. You have to realize that's a part of growing too. Uh, and just because you are more problematic at one point, and you all of a sudden uh, in a better place, it doesn't mean that people are in a position to forgive you for growth. Just because you grew. And that's something that you have to learn as well. Right. Girl, be blessed. That's all I can say. <laughs> to, uh... That was a mess. Was... Victor, you want to take these last couple of topics because they're kind of all together yeah. in some sort of fashion. So, you know, in White Gay Foolishness this week, um, and I say foolishness for a reason. I say foolishness because we just now learned that, you know, one of the biggest donors to Trump happens to own SoulCycle Equinox and some other places that many people go. Equinox is a very high-ass price gym. Uh, it has some cute stuff, but I'll be honest with you, if you're just going to lift and to work out, you can do that at LA Fitness. But anyway, you know, many go. <laughs> and many gays go, uh, especially in LA, honey, this is where they all go, basically. I'm sure they don't just go to go to the, uh, to the workout, though. I know that one. Well, <laughs> that is true, too. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, they go to Equinox, you know, to be seen. A lot of them, you know, want, you know some of them are insta-gays, so they also go there to, you know, like, this is me today, you know. So they want to boycott um, Equinox, and they are going as far as going to do protests and everything else. Um, I think it was Out Magazine or some magazine did a did a little story on that, and of course they used some um, able-bodied, super-fit guy to talk about this protest. And then if you have seen pretty other articles, they talk about how it's very hard for the gays to do this, or this is going to be very, it's very difficult for them. And I was like, difficult for them? I said, wait a minute, so all of us dying and, you know, still can't get jobs certain places and can't be fired certain places and 
we don't have rights to have kids and, you know, all this stuff. In some places, you can't really adopt kids. But this is the issue. This is the issue that is just tearing us apart. <laughs> so, um, as I was looking at a lot of different things, you know, I, I got really bored and started Googling all these people who talk about the Equinox, and it's been a lot, mostly white gays. So it's been very interesting to see how they will come together for this, but as you, as we talked about a little bit earlier, trans, black trans women are dying. The fact that we, our rights are really at, at, at an interesting parallel with the Trump administration. The fact that many people still can get fired um, at their jobs for being gay. All these things that are still happening. The fact that we are... Um, seeing the fact that people can adopt kids because they're gay, all those important things that are happening. This equinox is, is the one that gathers everybody too. Isn't there a membership like $200 a month? It is. Oh, you know, and membership at LA Fitness is less than 30. But, um, <laughs> and, I got, and it's interesting to me because I, I, I've been to equinox because you know, they, you can have like a moment where somebody can invite you or whatever. So mm. I was like, let me see what this is about. It is nice. I'm not going to lie. It's nice. It's cute. But I think if you're going to go into like, I'm going here to lift. Most places have all the machines or equipment that you need to do it. Mm. Most places. Um, I, for example, I go to the one, the big one, the all, well, the one over here, Universal Student City. I go to that one. That has everything I need. Then I also do CrossFit. That has everything I need. Bougie. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just realized you're kind of bougie. Okay, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a secret. But um, I'm just saying that, <laughs> that at the end of the day, to have these people, yes, boycott them. And that's fine. I agree. Boycott them because it is shocking. Not shocking, but kind of, you know, interesting to see how in one breath, Equinox tries to talk about how they support the gays and all this great stuff. But then yet the owner, where your money goes, that person is throwing a hundred, a hundred something thousand dollar a plate um, events for Trump. You really have to really think about like, okay, am I really want to keep money in this? But also you got to think about is this really worth the battle if you got to get out here and make a big thing about it? Just cancel your membership, girl, and go somewhere else. And take your happy ass down to the Y. Planet yeah. <laughs> Fitness. Right. <laughs> and you know, a lot of these white gays were complaining and whatnot because they couldn't go to the steam rooms and fuck. Yeah, that's what, that's I was what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be 100% clear about uh-huh. that. You know what's up? Right. Oh, I couldn't get my uh, my straight bacteria's boy tonight or today. So therefore, I'm up in arms of what I need to do as far as if I need the boycott or whatnot. But I'm still gonna go. Like, not only that, but in the uh, the lux uh, premium rooms that they probably have, knowing how expensive it, this sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, like if y'all don't get the entire fuck out of my face <laughs> yeah, and let's just call it what it is equinox is a very it's elite it is it is set to separate you from the others let's just be honest mm-hmm. that's what okay. it really is you don't pay 200 dollars a month that's a car payment for some folks yeah rent, well rent for those who wait 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 hundred dollars a month yeah what Oh my God, that's a deal. Well, I had a car and I was paying one ninety nine a month. That's why I'm using it okay. as an example. That was a while. Wow. Um, but I'm just saying the fact that that can be that's a car payment for some. That's insurance for a lot of people, and yet you can have two hundred dollars 
think about it now to go to the gym again my oh, membership man. at uh la fitness is 24 dollars a month and i can go in there and do all the machines if i wanted to go have sex in the thing i could but oh, I, man, yeah. <laughs> I want to share about my set and i'm just saying that, that at the same time you can do all that for twenty four dollars. Hell, you go to a sex <laughs> for twenty dollars. <laughs> so I don't understand why it's a hard thing for you. I mean, yeah, if you make the money, you can afford it, I guess. But you can still, or you can hire somebody private. But it, it's not worth. It's not. It's worth making an uproar, but it's not trying to make this into some type of gay rights event. It, it's just. It, it, it's really not. It's certainly a specific kind of like yeah. I mean, it's just uh, it's oftentimes when these kind of things happen, I just have to, I can't do anything but roll my eyes when they, you know, we expect everyone in the gay community to care about certain issues that are specifically pandered towards white men, white gay men, um, and it's 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 laughable to be honest. Like I don't I don't care. This is not my issue. I'm not sorry. So yeah. I'm very tempted to drive by. I think they're having one down in LA. I'm very tempted just to drive by and be out there and just be petty. You know, I almost want to just be out there and see who's all out here. Because it's going to be a bunch of white gays. It's going to be the, the, the ones of color who is either with them, fucking them, or want to be them. They're going to be there too. And mm-hmm. I just want to see what they actually are doing. But actually, I want to see how long they're going to do this boycott. Because watch, as soon as, you know, about a month or less than a week, they'll probably be right back. <laughs> and that's that on that. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much it we had for the tea. It was just to talk about all this. Mess. We got one more thing. Oh, we do? Oops. Mm-hmm. The Marvel chair person. Oh, that's right. Yes. So in addition to this boycott of Equinox, uh, the Call Me Me By Your Name actor Army Hammer called out former CEO and chairman, or current chairman, Isaac Perlmutter. We'll just go with that. (laughs) (laughs) So this dude donated a million dollars to Trump's wounded veterans uh, in 2016, and then most recently donated another 360000 to Trump's re-election. His wife was part of Trump's inauguration committee. Mm. Um, some people see uh, Hammer's call-out as vindictiveness because he's not, he wasn't cast in to play a superhero in MCU and his deal to play Batman fell through. What the actual question is, is now that you have this information, are you going to boycott Marvel or Disney, or are you just going to say, oh, well, I can overlook this, or is it much more nuanced than those black or white takes? I'll throw that question to y'all. Yeah. Ed, you want to go first? Uh... No. <laughs> Personally, honestly, I don't, I really don't have the answer to that because it would just depend. I guess each of us needs to find, okay, so if we're going to boycott them, maybe we have to boycott everything. 
it yeah it has to be actionable because every there is a a very what's the one i'm looking for uh all these rich white men in this movie industry and in hollywood majority of them have stakes or uh, in the Trump or any sort of conservative campaign or some sort of conservative conservative issue, everything we enjoy from Hulu to Netflix to any anything like that, there's someone and has a power in those industries that has ties to that, that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's just a matter of deciding for ourselves where do we draw the line. Uh, if you feel that you know this is something for uh, the line for you, then that's perfectly fine and reasonable. Uh, and you would boycott, you know, accordingly. Uh, some people feel like, well, it, I feel like there's other reasons to boycott Disney or, or Marvel. Uh, and I completely respect that as well. I mean, arguments can be made about how powerful Disney is getting with regards to, you know, the, the acquisitions and whatnot. Uh, but people will still enjoy and watch Disney Plus. will enjoy and watch, they've enjoyed and watched The Lion King or they'll watch all the other Disney movies. Um, and they'll boycott other in other in other ways because uh, you know it's been known that Disney does not they, they don't pay the workers a livable wage. You know some of the workers have been homeless. Um, there's a lot of issues there, uh, but people still go to Disney World. They still you know buy purchase Disney movies. Uh, I mean it's so many things. If we lived a life where we were in consistent a consistent state of rage, we wouldn't live a life at all. Um, so it's all about how can we take ash- actionable steps towards an effective boycotts. Uh, but that the first step to that is to ask ourselves what where is the line for us and how much does this issue mean to us? Yes. Mm. I don't think anything needs to be more said right. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it on that one. <laughs> right? I'm, I just, yeah. Like you said, if we were to boycott everything or be upset about everything, then we wouldn't really be living. Mm-hmm. Remember uh, that Doja Cat, remember when she came out with that milk song? And what did she say that was problematic? Uh, she said something ignorant. So she said she used to say the word, she used to say the, uh, used to say the word fag. She- oh, fag, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know some people used to listen to her that, you know, it's just one example. I don't have any, I don't really care for her. I just don't, you know, that's not my cup of tea or whatever, but I'm just using her as an example as to how people can still support, uh, you know, different causes or people and platforms without, you know, I, I don't know. It just depends on the person, uh, really, and what your preference is and where your mind is, though. Basically. I just think that at the end of the day, we have to really, you know, we can hold these people accountable to what they are doing. And, and also keep in mind that, you know, for a lot of the, I mean, to be honest, a lot of these rich people, of course, they're going to vote for Trump. He's keeping them rich. That tax, rich cut, mm-hmm. that tax cut was the main reason why. And so that's why it's not shocking to me, you know, I mean, from white men to do that, of course. And it's not shocking for white women to support that because let's just be honest, white women, white women do the, I feel like they really depend on that man to keep them in place. They, I don't think they have that strength. My mom says they, yeah. they don't have the strength and the tenacity that So I believe that they will stick to that and they will go along with that to the ends of the earth. We have seen that from slavery all the way up to now. So I'm just saying that they're going to keep him there 
and overlook all that other stuff because they still want to be rich, even though they will always be rich. They still want to be rich. So it's gonna be that's gonna that's a reality that we have to just kind of look at. And I think somebody said, um, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. It was like, if we are stunned by that, then we should be, you know, we should be, you know, shocked at ourselves because we shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. That's mm, all that. Yeah. yeah. Be surprised that these people are going to because they want to keep their money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad, but that's the case. I think if it was somebody that we really loved, like if they said Oprah was doing it, I would I would literally be crushed because. She, <laughs> yeah. But you see that she uses money for other things. You know, I think if it was, I don't want to say Army, and I get what people are saying. They was like, well, Army's just mad because he didn't get involved and blah 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 blah. But we can't. It still doesn't negate the situation. The situation is, yeah, we need to put that out there too. Um, and and not come at him like, oh, you didn't get no role. <laughs> it's been brought up before by other people. So hopefully, you know, who knows, you, you know, that maybe this man will be like, okay, okay, got me. Or it will just continue. What, what do we do? We just have to always hold it accountable and call it out. Yeah. That's true. Right. So if this ain't nothing more, Let's go ahead and clean up this tea table and move on to our king size issue. So what are we talking about today, Victor? Well, it's talking about building brands, um, building brands and kind of what does that mean? What does that power mean? Putting it into making these things happen. And our guests are very good at that. Our guests have been good at building a brand, getting the word out there, making um things pop when it comes to the messaging brand. So I just want to talk about that because a lot of us are out here trying to create things, trying to you know, make a name for ourselves. And some of us don't have much of an idea of how to do that effectively. And I feel that um, Jermaine and Ed, y'all have done that effectively. So I would love to hear you know, some things that you've learned in building your brand and how others can do that and do that effectively. I'm gonna let the master go first. No, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Um. So, one of the things that I've noticed um, this year, and it's probably been a build-up over the past couple years, but. one of the three key things that I see uh, shifting as far as branding is concerned are storytelling, experience, and strategy. You can also probably put intent in the middle of that uh, at the core. So back before, let me see, I, I guess... I don't know when this this whole thing kicked off um, and everybody got brand crazy and trying to build personal brands and things like that. But there was this, this narrative going around that, um, and I was a part of it too, you know, you, you, you live and you learn, but um, that a brand, when you normally see people asking, you know, for a brand, they're asking for logos and colors and names, 
and things like that. And yes, those are definitely part of the brand. But they're more so the icing on the cake, like the, the fondant and the decorations. And more people pay attention to the fondant and the decorations and the colors than they do the quality of how the cake actually tastes. And you get a lot of people who build brands that are dry, that crumble, that are flavorless, um, that just are not the makings of a really moist and flavorful cake. So... Sounds like sweet potato pie to me. Huh? I said, you, you described sweet potato pie, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so what you have is a lot of bakers making a lot of noise, um, or rather would-be bakers. And what it really takes is somebody coming to the table and saying, hey, okay, so the intent with my bakery is to spread the same love that my grandmother showed to me and my entire family. I want to put that type of love back into the world. And it's telling that story of how you watched your grandmother in her kitchen every day making pound cakes and pies and cookies from scratch and how you learn through her process and um, how you going to get that story out to the market and out to your audience and what's the strategy behind bringing people not only into the store but keeping them and the experience that you curate around that whole uh pipeline you know what 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 do you want people to feel when they walk into your shop or order from you online what is the feeling what is the emotion those intangible things that nobody I rather few people rarely consider when they talk about building a brand. So that trifecta, storytelling, experience, and strategy, and at the center of that is the intent and the purpose and why are the tools necessary to build brands that break through a very, very noisy internet right now, if any of that made sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Yeah, it most certainly does. Um, I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, I was waiting. There's, often, there's oftentimes so many people that talk about it, but aren't exactly about it. You know, we've seen so many. We've seen podcasts. We've seen comics. We've seen cons. We've seen a lot of other things come and go because the people have talked about it, but they haven't done the work. And doing the work is so much more important than just, oh, I'm going to do a podcast. Oh, I'm going to have a con. Oh, I'm going to have this comic book or this something. But okay, what it, what else? Mm-hmm. So, like you said, it, it just 
people don't want to do the work. Yeah, and I, just to piggyback off of what I was saying, I think um, you have to, building a brand starts with a very humble and honest self-reflection of yourself as a person, who you are, your values, what you believe in. Because if you don't know who you are and what you stand for, how are you going to tell someone, convince someone else to uh, uh, believe in something that you believe in and you don't know what you believe in? Um, so I think that's, that should be step one, having an honest self-reflection, you know, and, you know, being completely um, transparent with that with yourself. Um, and then, you know, like you like mentioned too, it's all about emotions. What, what kind of story are you trying to tell? What kind of emotions are you trying to evoke? What kind of impact are you trying to make with your brand? And, and outside of just the logos or the pretty fun stuff, which I love to do, but that's not the hard, it's hard to do, very hard to do, but that's not the hardest mm-hmm. part. Um, the hardest part is building something sustainable outside of that. Um, like when you mentioned, you know, there are many people are doing cons and podcasts and making comics. Uh, and sometimes they are genuine because they just want to do it just to get their own face out there and uh, without any consideration for the quality of the product or service that they're, they're doing or they're, they're giving. Um, and that's where, you know, things tend to fail or fall apart. Uh, if you are, for one, open to criticism, so when people are giving you feedback about how your their experience was uh, with your product or your service or whatever, um, you won't be able to grow. Um, and then if you are in a mind space where you can, uh, you, you, you consistently practice self-reflection and transparency, then you could, you know, look at, your brand with transparency and say, here are the areas that need work here. Here's how I can improve. Or am I being at genuine in, in my voice or am I being intent, intentional with how I take, you know, actionable steps for certain uh, outcomes when it comes to bro- building a brand? Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, the emotional uh, experience. It's all about the human experience. Uh, so what kind of experience do you want people to take away from your, your brand? Um, I mean, we can look at some examples of some, some great brands. I think Google is a, has a very uh, awesome brand. Um, they're not perfect, no, because no brand is, and that's okay. Uh, but, you know, they have this culture where they started off as a search engine. Um, and over the years, very quickly, they've adapted. And now they're, they have phones and computers. And uh, they saw this need, and they saw that people admired and appreciated their voice. Um, and uh, they decided to take that and to build something more out of it. Uh, right. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. He's my little cousin. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also, in addition to that, like, um, if we're talking about big brands like Apple, like Apple has started out with some kind of, they weren't in the industry that they are now. And it had to take, uh, Steve Jobs falling from his actual position. He created it and then got pushed out. Mm-hmm. So you get this whole rebranding and now look at him. One of the biggest recognizable brands in the world and will go down as one of the most Yeah. Yeah, it's he dropped out. Yeah. Just Brand. So um, it's just everybody you, like you need to have a game plan as far as what your brand should be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
has there ever been a time where, like, when you were creating your content that you just wanted to give up? And it's like, this, all of this strife, all of this heartache is not worth it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah there's a time. It's almost like almost every week. Um, <laughs> I, I think the most recent case of that for me was during the Kickstarter. Um, it was, it was that was a very hard push for us. And when we threw everything at that, um, it was exhausting. It was emotionally exhausting, mentally exhausting. Um, and I, I, I remember I was coming back from an event and I was, I, I was getting ready to shut like everything down. I was just over it. Um, I was like, F this, screw it, I'm done. Uh, this ain't what people want anymore, this, that, and the other. It, it, was, it was just, it was very, very hard. But it, it, it gets like that. And I think it gets like that oftentimes. It's just on social media, everybody smiles and they're on yachts and private jets. And you don't see that part of the journey. And um, that's why I put that video out there a couple weeks back. Um, about you know the Kickstarter failing and, and 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 whatnot else, but I think it's it's very important that as content creators we show that we show that vulnerability, we show that side of the journey because it happens and it happens more often than what uh, I think people think. There's a lot of depression, anxiety, stress, um, all types of stuff that we we go through. Uh-huh. I think you know, Jermaine can speak to that too. I mean, we've 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 had to call each other a few times to hold each other up on some different things mm-hmm. um, throughout the years. It's it, it gets it gets it can get pretty bad. Yeah. Oof. I actually yes, had a conversation. Uh, I did a presentation a, like, a little while ago in front of uh, mostly high school students, and I started. It was about they wanted to know about my career. Um, and you know, how did I do what I do, and what tell me, you know, tell them about what it is I do and why I do it. Um, but I started that conversation with mental health. Um, so I wanted them to know that you know, uh, I'm a very vulnerable person, but I have, I, I have depression, uh, I suffer from you know, uh, all kinds of you know, different mental ills that discourage me from wanting to continue further in what it is that I'm doing or, you know, do I, do I deserve this or, uh, do I, am I good enough to do this or how can I do this? It it seems too big. You know, all these different thoughts that, you know, you have when you are trying to pursue a task that you feel is much bigger than you. Mm -hmm. Um, because when you are doing something like comics or at least in my opinion or, or cons, it's in a lot of ways a service for other people. Uh, and it grows beyond you. Uh, and so taking on that responsibility can feel overwhelming at times. But what helped it, and I really appreciate him for doing this, is having a, a sharing your moments of vulnerability with the world to let people know that, you know, uh, I'm not okay. That this was very hard for me. And failure is hard to, to receive. But despite that, uh, I have to continue and I will continue. It won't be easy. And I'm not smiling right now because it hurts, but I'm here to let you know that this is a part of the process. Mm-hmm. I think that is so powerful and so important um, in that when people realize that it goes, it goes beyond the, the positive social media posts. Um, and like I have my, my best friend, she is 
the founder of a uh, a um, center for homeless youth or youth that experience homelessness uh, called the Detroit Phoenix Center. Uh, I've had conversations with her where we would be on the phone having a good time, you know, laughing at each other. And then she, she had to call me back because on the other line was a young girl who was a victim of human trafficking trying to seek help. Mm. Um, and then she would have to, and she would have that weight on her shoulders. Uh, and, uh, and she would just have to, uh, and, and that's a part of her experience too. She, you know, that, that's a part of, you know, when you, you put yourself in a position to be a servant for other people, I mean, that's the responsibility that it has. But yeah. all that to say, um, it's not easy, but that's, and, and that's okay to share that. Um, and, you know, if we talk about brands being about the human experience, I think it's important that we don't forget our own experience as well. So, yeah. That's very true. I know. And as far as this podcast, you know, I'm already, I'm always, oh, I try to be open or as open as I can about my bouts with depression, going to therapy, you know, because this isn't easy, Mm. you know, hell, just everyday life is not easy. And then doing this podcast, you know, where you feel like you're constantly judged or you put yourself under this imaginary pressure to be better than or be as good as your quote unquote competitors. But when actuality, those are your colleagues and, you know, you want to see them succeed just as much as you want to see yourself succeed. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's so hard to navigate all of that and try to keep your head above water. Yeah. And I remember how it was on a podcast, you know, I always try to be mindful. Am I saying the right thing? Am I going to be, uh, 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 Twitter Bay later on? If I could, I say the wrong, cause I always try to be conscious of making sure that, you know, um, I'm mindful of what I say so that I could, um, Taking into consideration the experiences of others, and you know, I, I always try to be intentional about how I speak. Um, but I remember doing a podcast, and I always feel that way, like I was under under pressure, or you know, to make sure that you know I put enough of myself in there, but also I'm being true to you know the lives of other people and their experiences. Mm-hmm. That's why intent is so is so important. Because um, there's been a few times where you know we all mess up, and um, I've, I may have done something on Twitter and somebody has pulled me to the side and said, I know you didn't mean this. However, these people don't know you like I know you, you know, and if you can just like say this real quick, it'll be all blow over. But your intent and your character speaks for you when you may not be present in the room for you to speak, you know, for yourself. So who you are as a person, you know, you, you, you may police yourself a little bit or your brand or whatever the case is. But if people understand the intent and why you're doing what you're doing, I think that gives you a lot more uh, insurance um, than most to avoid getting beat up and dragged out on mm-hmm. social media. Uh, because I, I've seen it time and time again. Like somebody may say something, but it's like, uh, but you got to understand like who this person, they didn't probably mean it like this. Let me go verify. Let me ask before you get, you know, all in a tizzy and get all upset. Um, yeah, if you, if you pay attention to your intent and work on building your character and why you do what you do and, and the purpose behind why you do what you do, 
that will speak volumes um, louder than the brand itself. Because, I mean, we just talked about Walmart. And, um, you know, Walmart making these decisions is impacting uh, their brand. It is impacting how people feel. I mean, people already felt some way about Walmart for years. But, you know, this is just another decision, another bad decision that they've made that is negatively impacting the brand. And it's like, you know, I don't care how many rollback savings that y'all got. (laughs) 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 You know, now now y'all just taking things just a little too far. So their decisions and their choices impact their character as a brand, as a culture, as a company. And it has residual effect and consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all that to say, like, oh, go ahead, Victor, I'm sorry. It's just a lot of what y'all saying is, is very, so true and so key. I like the fact that y'all mentioned that you have to always know about, you need to always have intent and know what that intent is when you're doing a lot of things. Because I think what I see on social media, a lot of people, like I can think of a couple in, in like right off the bat, they just, they focus, they want to be seen so much. Like they mm-hmm. want success so much. They want, you know, to be like, they'll say things like, everybody else is having success but me or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, you have to understand it's going to be different for you, but you have to remember what is, what, what is your true intent? Because if you're trying to be seen, then you're not going, you're not understanding what you're, why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you're really trying to make a difference. It, it is no longer about you. It is no longer about you. You are pushing that, you are, you know, using the tools, but that product is basically, it's supposed to be for everyone. And I, I think that's something I'll quickly say for myself is that's what I've been trying to do is always say, this is not about me. When I have a panel at Comic-Con, it's about my guest. It's about my panelists. Mm. It's about me. I will spend more time talking about them than myself. Or if I'm doing, as I make comics, it's more about the story and the characters. I'll say three things and the rest, I'm like, but you get into the story. I, I mean, this is not about me and how cute I think I am. This is about the story and what I want people to get from it. I think as we do anything, we have to, you know, I think about this podcast, it's never about me. It's about the people who want to hear other voices that are similar to theirs and want to hear people talk about things that they're very interested in. I always like to do that because it help. it calms me down when I realize it's bigger than me and it's not about me. And that's a, and it's not an easy process to go through because a lot of us, we mm-hmm. still want to hold ourselves, you know, at a certain level. But I think when we kind of have to relax and say it's not about me. It becomes easier to handle. So, so, oh, go ahead. I'm just agreeing with Victor. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) So, how do I say this? Um, How do you all celebrate your successes without letting it inflict your ego? Mm, I think for me... Oh, go ahead, Ed. I wouldn't say anything. 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we all been courteous and nice to each other and hospitable. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I think for me personally, uh, when I said earlier about, um, I talked about the importance of self-reflection. Um, if, you, if I remember who I am and remember my why I do what I do, uh, then it's never about me, no matter what stage I'm in the, in the process. Um, but I think it's also important to realize that you have achievements to say it is okay to celebrate you. You know, we all want to be our own heroes and, and you know, say we're, we're good people and we do this for, for other people and others or whatever. And that's fine. Um, but we should also all have moments where we celebrate ourselves and when, when especially when we feel like we've achieved the impossible um, and say, you know, job well done. Um, and then keep it moving. I mean, you know, and how, how, however you do that, it's up to you whether you decide to eat a bunch of donuts or uh, go to the club, have some wine, whatever it is you feel you need to do to, uh, you know, for self-care uh, to celebrate you in your moment. I think, you know, it's entirely subjective. But ultimately, I think, uh, you know, for me, it's important to uh, be mindful that, you know, what it is I do personally with, you know, my organization and, you know, some of the things that I do. Uh, it's you know rarely about me. Sure, my my experience is included in the in that story, um, but it's not about me. Uh, but I do appreciate and admire you know my own success. I agree, one hundred percent with Jermaine. Um, there's enough people in this world who won't celebrate you and who want to see you fail. You don't need to be part of that crew. You need to learn how to celebrate you and your own wins and successes. I think it becomes a problem when um, you, 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 you get big-headed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like, oh, Lord Jesus, uh, with uh, NeNe Leakes. Um, Let's talk about it. <laughs> head bitch in charge and, uh, you know, just alienating herself season after season after season and just losing friends left and right. Um, you know, like, hey, congrats, sis, for, like, you know, starting the show and getting all these big wins and things like that. But there comes a point to where you have to understand what humility is and practice it at the same time and leave space for others to win as well. I think she has gotten so full of herself lately. Um, and, and, and she's, you know, she, maybe deals with a lot of mental issues um, that she does not talk about. But if you pay attention, you can see them. I mean, she had that breakdown at the season seven reunion about her mother. Um, it was a severe breakdown too. And she had to take a break from the show after that. But she goes, uh, never mind. But yeah, she, just that type of approach to your success is not okay. You know, you don't want to get so big headed to, to the point to where you think you were just top dog and everybody else is beneath you and uh, think that you were on a throne on your own. That's, that's, that should never be the, the, the goal or the intent. It is to honor yourself, honor your win, celebrate yourself. Um, congratulate yourself that you got this milestone, but this isn't like the end of the road. There's still more to go. And I think a lot of people get hung up on <laughs> celebrating that first success that they don't pay attention to the other ones that are down the road and hang on to those so tightly. Uh, you know, you, you, you just kind of get lost in that one win. So 
celebrate, but celebrate in such a way to where you don't get a big head in the same, t- you know, and in, in all, all in the same uh, process. Right. Celebrate, then get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> then get back to business. <laughs> Absolutely. So as we go ahead and wrap up, is there any final words or advice or words of encouragement you can give to people as far as them starting their own content, maintaining it, you know, trying to fight through it? I um, I always see a lot of people like asking, what should I create? What is my purpose? Is that any other? And um, I think right now for me, a lot of what I do is what a younger, much younger version of myself needed to see and needed to, to become. Um, I needed to see more representation in comics. I love superheroes. I just never understood why black people could never be superheroes. Always the sidekick or the villain or some imbecile. Like, just why were we never um, able to save people too? And it wasn't until the Black Power Ranger, it wasn't until I got onto Milestone that I saw these things. And I'm creating the content that little me needed to see back then. And he's super proud of what he's seeing right now. And that's what gives me fuel. That's what gives me fire to continue to create because there are other children out there. Um, and even though superheroes have blown up and, and, you know, we got Black Panther and Wonder Woman and things like that, there are, there's still more work to be done. You got kids with disabilities. Um, you have, uh, you know, Black women really haven't been given a fair shake in the superhero genre. Um, You have Polynesian representation that's lacking, Asian representation. I mean, there's all sorts of things. So I'm not only creating for little me, I'm creating for all these other little people, um, children of color, children with disabilities, uh, you know, the, the whole spectrum so that they don't have to grow up in a world to where they got to question and wonder where am I and is, you know, are my possibilities and dreams limited because this is all I've been shown. And we don't take into consideration how, well, white media and and entertainment doesn't take into consideration the importance of representation. And if you just look at the impact Black Panther made on Black children um, and them getting interested in STEM fields and things like that and Afrofuturism and science and mathematics and physics and all this other stuff because Wakanda was so advanced and before then all we've been shown was slavery and servants and all this other stuff, uh, civil rights um, movies. And, you know, it was it was a very limited representation and scope of what we could and could not become. And Wakanda broke through, Black Panther broke through that ceiling and it opened doors and opened imaginations and opportunities for these children. So that's what I am looking forward to doing. Like that's what little me wants to see happen. So I think if you look inside of yourself and figure out what the, the 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 little version of you is still looking for, you may be able to find what you need to be able to create. Mm-hmm. All right, and I want to add to that too. Um, you know, uh, when talking about representation, you know, obviously that 
you know, visual representation is extremely important for, you know, a multitude of reasons. But even going beyond that, you know, showing and sharing experiences and um, creating, um, taking actionable steps toward uh, helping others elevate in their, in their life uh, is also another form of representation. So, for example, we, we have Black Panther, um, and that was, you know, it, it did its job as a movie and it inspired a lot of people, especially youth around the world. Um, black youth uh, specifically, um, but what are we going to take with this gateway? Uh, well, what are we going to use? Uh, what, are, what are the next? What's the next step after that? Well, let's uh, create STEM programs to help them cultivate their interests and you know students cultivate their interests and knowledge uh, and and Afrofuturism. Or let's give them a platform to tell their stories. Um, so let's take steps beyond just the visual representation, so that you know we can continue the conversation and act and have a continue to have a, uh, a real impact on, on people's lives. Woof. Mm. <laughs> All right, y'all better take me to church. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Victor, do, you, do we have anything else before we wrap this up for another great episode? No, this was, this was, wow, this was good. It was, this is what I think a lot of people, I think what we also needed to hear, I think this is something that we need to remind ourselves about who we are, how we want to brand things, how we want to put, you know, how much we put of ourselves in things and, and, and the work you put in is the work you, you know, you get out. And so this was great. Thank y'all for coming on the show today because I think y'all really fed a lot of people today. Absolutely, no problem. Yes. And, and, um, Ed and uh, Jermaine, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? And if you have any uh, big projects coming up that you can tell uh, our audience about? Yeah. So uh, if you want to just follow me, um, I am at uh, It's Ed Williams, I-T-S Ed Williams on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, if you want to follow the comic company, Make, we are under We Are Make, M-A-Y-K-E, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and our website as well. And uh, for what we have coming up, you can check out our Patreon. We will begin uh, production on the book we were trying to get funded on Kickstarter and be putting it on Patreon. So it's, we're under patreon.com slash we are make at the same uh, the same tagline username. So you can find us there. Yeah. Um, and you can find me at Jermaine Design on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, Jermaine C. Dickerson uh, uh, and Facebook, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, as for my organization, Hero Nation, uh, we are currently looking for board of directors because, uh, you know, I'm looking to apply for a 501 status and get that going. Um, so that we could, you know, it'll help legitimize us a bit more, but also we want to take our, the organization to the next level so that we could start building in new and exciting ways. And I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so if you want to check us out at Hero Nation, Ipsy, Y-P-S-I, on all social media tags, including uh, Twitter, Instagram, and we're also on Facebook too. Uh, or you can just visit Hero Nation, Ipsy, all one word, dot com. Uh, to learn more about the organization and what it is we're doing, what we have done, and where we want to go in the future. All right. 
And you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Porter Pizzazz. Victor's at Wonderman5. The podcast is also on Twitter at Megachine Pod. You can like, rate, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Megachine Pod. Our new website is hopefully, cross your fingers, supposed to relaunch in September if I get my shit together. Um, anything else before we get out of here? No, that is it. Take care of you. Self-care. Prioritize yeah. your mental health. Yes. I know that's right. Absolutely. And closed legs don't get fed. No, I'm kidding. I kid. Well, y'all, until next time, we will see y'all later. Thank y'all. Right, see y'all.